Welcome, this is Tapping into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Manja Eland and I am Linda Rosen. We are your hosts. Hey Linda, how are you today? Hi Manja, I'm quite okay. I've been behind the computer all day working on our podcast and it's the interview I had with Maya and Mirka who both work with Skograd in Belgrade and this is one of the rare interviews I had the opportunity to do live. So I was really sitting in there upstairs in a beautiful, not a basement, but the top of a building. Attic. The attic, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting in their beautiful attic with like wooden beams. It was beautiful. They had so many uh, nice ideas and the way they approach art education and working with the children is just something that's really inspiring. How the children were using the fences as instruments and she felt it was quite intense. And this way of working with children gave her the knowledge or the idea that art doesn't have to be always calm and beautiful. And she was saying she found real beauty in this wilderness that children have and that how art can give the children the opportunity to let that out instead of always having to rein it in. Also, she used it as a reflection on how she as a facilitator deals with her own wilderness and how it has so little space in her life. Oh, that makes me so curious. So exploring our own wilderness in relation to arts education. Do we allow ourselves to still play? was one of the themes of the conversation. Let's dive in. First of all, Maya, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, I live in Belgrade and I'm working as a researcher and assistant professor at the Faculty of Philosophy here at the University of Belgrade. And I'm teaching subject philosophy of adult education, uh, adult education and activism. And now what I'm really pleased about is that we have a new subject, uh, which is art and education on master level. So, yeah, I'm quite proud of that because now we can work on this uh, topic with students. So let's say that's my main work, but I'm also a member of Shkograd Collective and uh, I really enjoy working with Shkograd because it is like researchscape <laughs> for what I'm teaching and uh, what I'm interested with, what I'm interested in. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And Mirka, can you also introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. Well, I am an architect by education, but I love to make things. So I consider myself a maker. I love to ask questions and to wander around. So this is what I enjoy a lot and what pushes me. I am also part of a collective Shkogad, five, six years already. And this is uh, like a lighthouse in my life in a way, but also next to Shkogad and what we work there, I work in a center for the promotion of science. And both of these entities work on non-formal education practices, but also on some kind of innovative formats, you know, of how we can invite citizens and wider audience to empower them so they develop critical thinking, but also that they learn through playing in a way. I hear you both talking about Skokrat. Of course, that's the reason I'm here. I'm very interested in what Skokrat does. Uh, Who wants to introduce Skokrat? That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) Mirka, thank you. Skogad gathers a bigger group of people than myself and Maya. And we are coming from the background of architecture, urbanism, urban research, pedagogy, psychology and education, but also arts. And all of these people gathered around one community here in Belgrade. This community is called Ledine, and it is a peripheral neighborhood that is really vivid, but also it kind of represents a lot of what is going on in the whole city, you know, how the 
urbanism is happening, but also how the society is living. The reason why we gathered there was to empower our local school over there that was facing threat a sort of a threat of closing down because, you know, not a lot of kids was enrolling in this school and why kids were not enrolling at that point five years ago is the fact that parents were starting to decide to enroll them in other schools that are not in this neighborhood due to the fact that a lot of Roma kids, you know, were going to this school from different socioeconomic status. And this is not a lone case, unfortunately, not just in this city, not just in this country, you know, but we can say further from these borders. We organized a summer school together with school um, employees and teachers and director back then, but also a school librarian who is a very important person in that community. So it's all started like that. And now we already have five summer schools behind us. And our goal is you can maybe now realize is that we are there permanently so we are not uh, we had some different experiences when we were, we were like let's say visitors with this kind of activities you know as in other communities but we decided that for some uh, permanent change you know we need to be there longer than one year longer than one project so Maya, I heard Mirka tell me a lot of background studies in the Skograd community. How many people does it exist of? Well, let's count. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think we're a quite actually open community because there are now like three people working constantly, but people are engaged for some time and then they're not so active in work. And then again, they come back. So we are quite, I think, fluid, fluid in yeah. the structure. But I would say around from five to ten. Yeah. Active from five to ten. Yes. But the Different cloud backgrounds. is bigger. The cloud, the Skograd cloud is much bigger. And uh, <laughs> what, sorry, what, cloud. What is, what is Skoblet? Skoblet, Oblak means cloud. So those are people who are engaged in work of Skograd, but they are not constantly active yeah. they're supporters it's like and, a flexible uh, pool of yeah yeah <laughs> no i just i'm now realizing maybe it's good to say just the let's say the etymology of our name so Shkograd and the shuka shuk is shuka is something that follows us it has a tradition actually our supporter like mm. when i say supporter not financial but also like uh, the person who supports us a lot in the work we do is ljubica beljanski and she is the one that started which is school and play in a way and she had this program that was also working with young people like for many years ago and a lot of different collectives you know with this came out of uh, also Shkart, you know the art collective that is really important here in serbia uh, and also in the region and this is like uh, somehow how we got uh, this name because we knew her in a way but not that she gave it to us and Škograd actually means škola is school and grad is city. So school and city. And what we are th rethinking is this, you know, merge of what school does to a city, to this environment, you know, where it is in urbanism and also what the city does to school. You know, what's this connection, how this uh, relationship works out. And this is what happens in Ledine because the school is the only public space and it's in a sort of community center. It's not officially, but this is how it functions. And we are interested in these relations, you know, how they support or reflect on each other. Yeah. And I hear you say the name of the settlement is? Ledine. Ledine. Ledine is informal community or informal settlement, you said? No, actually. Oh, it oh, has sorry. one. <laughs> it's tricky. So this community was built formally to last for 10 years in 1961. But then, of course, the temporary became permanent and the community was developing. But it has an informal way of development okay. because, you know, the urbanistic planning didn't came to this point afterwards, you know. And of course, as people are trying to settle themselves, their living conditions, they were starting to build like second floor or additions, or also this agricultural land around this first official urbanized area, you know, became a building land. So this development is informal, but it's not informal in a way that when you come like, I don't know that it looks all like some, let's say favela, I don't know, this is what first favela, comes to yeah. my, my mind. Well, 
Yeah, but it has this informal, formal uh, qualities in a way, because formally it has this really orthogonal structure, but then informally <laughs> it started organically to develop. I don't know if this makes clear, but I would invite everyone that they Google maybe Ladine, Belgrade, and just see this bird's view and understand they will just see the, the organic, let's say, part and mm -hmm. also the one that was like urbanistically planned. But also we do have over there one small area that is quite informal or how I see the informal settlement where a really deprived uh, Roma community lives and it has its own, let's say, values and ways of, of everyday life. It's quite different. Over there, uh, most of the girls don't go, they are lucky if they finish this elementary school. Mm -hmm. After uh, ending eighth grade, uh, their parents usually sign the papers that their kids, girls especially, won't continue schooling. Oh, okay. And then they get married. And this is like a small, again, like a babushka system, if you know this, like small babushka, dolls. Yeah, it's not dolls. a whole community, but this community has a lot of these different, you know, entities, of you course. know, uh, that are happening. And yeah. this is just one of them. It's not the whole community. So for the people who might not have the Google ready, could you visually try to describe if I would walk through Ladina? What would I see? What would I smell? What would I hear? Hmm. This is a very interesting question. And now I'm trying to imagine myself walking. Uh, coming to Ladine, you come by bus. At the stop, you see a lot of these small shops, traffickers, mm -hmm. which are really common in Belgrade and they're on the streets. So then you continue. You can see both. You can see big houses in 90s style, like with big gates and you continue walking and you see what Mira said like poorer areas but what I found really interesting like there are regular houses with beautiful backyards and for some reason there are a lot of banana trees in Ladine and I was really <laughs> banana trees I don't know why but I was really <laughs> amazed specific no, there's a lot of greenery actually a lot of greenery a yes. lot of taking care you yes. feel really like i feel at grandma's home oh. and then but also like you said it's not just bananas it's either yes. you know roses or other flowers but you know yes, it's lived mm -hmm. and it's really taken care of appreciated and it feels you know you can like when you say sound i see i hear i remember hearing you know clinging of you know food you know of or someone eating, you know, just this, or washing dishes, or also, like, you would hear music in some house, you know, and then, you know, kids coming out, running on the street, you know, because, and then yelling the names, you know, because they are, that's also a, the, on, the other only public space next to the schoolyard is the streets, you know, yes. there is nothing wow. specific. So it's it's really nice. Uh, and it's beautiful because people are actually using streets to get together, and this was very common it used to be very common in Belgrade, but now it's only common in some areas, in some parts of Belgrade. And you can really hear voices of people on the streets, which is uh, beautiful, especially during summer, you feel that it is alive. Yeah, it is not. Uh, it's a very it not communal deep. areas, mm -hmm. and yeah. people live outside. Yes, see each other a lot. Know mm. each other, you know. You yeah. can see, you know, witness, you know, neighbor, you know, being leaned on the fence, and then talking to another neighbor, asking questions about the family, each other, you know, or borrowing. But also, you know, those guys sitting in front of the local shop drinking beer. Yeah. Then the rural, let's say, part continues when you continue further. You know, coming to sell some goods you know like some fruits or vegetables uh, next to the bus stop that's also some image over there yes that paints a picture thank you so you said you work in the yeah. school schoolyard um, the schoolyard schoolyard is our playground <laughs> our work yard <laughs> yeah and i heard you talk about five summer camps do you work there all year round or just for the summer well, summer school actually is pretty alive working with them. And I think Mira also said this, like how they appreciate life and how they... They're so much like in touch with their bodies. I yes, think that's the word that's because right. let's say like for these kids, like music is so present in this mm -hmm. community. You know, if they have a basket, you know, or any kind of hollow object it becomes a drum you know mm -hmm. and they're constantly you know turning around testing the, their body limits you know lifting if they see a bar if you would watch some of our let's say 
videos from the summer school, it would be like turning around this bar, you know, just and it's being very, so much playful and... They, they see play in everything. Yeah. What was very interesting for me during the last summer school, Scuola Laboratoria, is how actually we brought... It was a bit wild. And I really, not wild in a destructive way, but in, it wasn't discipline. And sometimes working with children can be very organized and structured. And I like how this wilderness, which is very organic, came out and it was allowed. Mm -hmm. So that's what I also learned, how education can embrace this aliveness and wilderness, how we can work with intimacy which they create with us and how we can allow different dimensions of ourselves to emerge somehow. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a very powerful experience. So do you mean that you, without having a set plan for the day, you start with something and then follow curiosity, follow where the kids want to go? Is that what you're trying? Yes. Well, we have a kind of plan. No, we do have a plan, yeah. but it, it gets it, tested. It's you know? always, <laughs> but it's always somehow adjustable. But I think this year we changed We Every year we flexible. change, you know, a lot. First year we had the draft, but really it was like a lot of change by uh, by the kids because it was for us first time, you know, meeting, you know, this community. So we had to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, as the years followed, you know, we, we started developing more detailed, let's say, plans. But always we somehow are open to this idea. I think that is a part of our methodology because you know if you work with kids and you want to co-create with them you know then it's not fair that you have a plan and then the, the no just do it yeah. you know the plan is there just for us to spark the conversation mm -hmm. i can see now after five years how much more independent they are you know these kids grow with us so like let's say amela like first year she was six years old now she's 11 you know she was not even in school Her baby brother was in the stomach. <laughs> This year, he was a, a four-year-old running around, following older sister and brother and working with us. They kind of are familiar. So for them, it's like when Peja, you know, is there, like our other colleague who actually lived there and his parents lived there, like they would be like, when is Skograd, you know? For them, it doesn't matter if it's a summer school or a school laboratory, whatever, whenever it's Skograd. Do, yeah, whenever and, it's fun. Yeah, and when they grow up, what they wrote this year, some of them was... We want to be Shkograd, like to do Shkograd. Mm. And we were like, whoa, like this is this, like if you have a definition of success, like for us, that would be it because they want to do Shkograd. And what actually this year happened is we had a plan. And one of the reasons why some plans changed was the rain, heavy mm, rain. Yeah. And <laughs> after the third day, the summer school stopped and we because also Uh, the kids that are now in high school became, we had the opportunity to bring them to work with us. So they are doing, uh, let's say, the they are sort of chronologists of the whole process. They do, do what, what are they? Chronologists. Oh, they document. And what they did, uh, every day, they created a wallpaper about what happened the previous day. So they left the wallpaper. That the summer school is not going to happen today because of the rain and everything. And the rain stopped around three o'clock or something. And then they all, you know, ran to the circle where, you know, we usually gather. And it was like, okay, oh, they're definitely not coming. But then they stayed there. And one parent arrived and asked them, okay, kids, what you're doing there? And some of them said, we are doing Shkograd. <laughs> They're well, playing. You were, huh? We weren't there. <laughs> yeah, we were not there, you know, and they were like disappointed, but not in a way, you know, they knew why we are not coming. Mm. We are in contact with of them, course. you know, and everything. But still they were like, okay, maybe, you know, they have a time to come, you know, because for them, you know, it's just drop from the house and you're there because mm. it's really, when you look at the territory, everything is so close, you know, it's like, let's say, 500 meters the maximum, you know, of distance if someone is at one end of the, let's say, the neighborhood from the schoolyard. Now, for a short intermezzo, we would like to take you to Bledine, where we have found Diane 
and she gave us a tour and we got the chance to ask her some questions about her involvement. She was one of the children who joined the first summer school and is still involved five years later. Let's listen to her story. We are standing here in Ledene and I'm joined by Diana. Diana, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, yes. Hi, I'm Diana and I'm a member of Skogred. You're a member of Skogred? How did you become a member of Skogred? When I was fifth grade, I heard for summer school and I I joined in summer school. And mm-hmm. Can you tell us what you did? Uh-huh. We make a film. It's about first summer school. Okay, so you uh, documented. Uh, yeah. Ah, that's nice. And now you decided to become a member. Can you tell us what you do now with Skokrat? Now we we make newspaper and podcast. Mm-hmm. Just, Just like us. Yeah. <laughs> and help with uh, activities. Help with the activities. And uh, you're still a student. What is your age? Yes, I'm 18 years old. 18 years old. So, do you know what you would like to study? Um, I'm not really sure, but maybe engineering. Engineering? Yeah. And as an engineer, do you think uh, you can help Skokrat with your skills? Yes, yes, of course. Thank you so much for taking the time, showing us around. And um, it's very nice to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So now the question, what does summer school look like in days, in type of activity? Usually it lasts like around a week and we start by gathering together and getting to know each other. And there are a lot of hugs at the beginning of, <laughs> of summer school because they already know each other. How many children? It usually starts like first day, like 10 to 15 of them is there, but by the end it's 40 to 50. And the last day, because the last day is always the big celebration in the whole neighborhood, the whole neighborhood comes and everybody, you know, like when we give the diplomas, we we create diplomas, you know, for summer school, everyone wants diploma. (laughs) Even though they didn't participate, you know, that's really interesting. But they are the supporters, you know, maybe their family member was there, you know, every day. But as I told you, like p- kids uh, drop in and out as they wish. So it's flexible. It's not like you will not get a diploma if you're not there <laughs> yeah. the whole week. But it's uh, we tried to this year. We actually explored playscapes, and each group worked yeah. with like seven, ten children, and we had different topics. And each group had one, um, two, facilitators. two facilitators. Yes, yeah. we tried to explore like what do you want to do. What do you need in this uh, in this space? And it was very interesting. Miriam and I worked together and they wanted to rest. They wanted to sleep. So together with them, we created kind of a, a tent, like a place where they can with the colors. And we talk with them and explore what kind of materials we need. We trust that learning happens together with making and through research. We, we try really to, to base learning on exploration and how to follow their inputs. If they say we want a place where we can sleep, then we stay for a bit and we sleep there and we whisper. It's more of listening and following than imposing content. Important part of summer school are parades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And maybe you can tell more about this. So what we want actually to do, like we work in a periphery, we want to put the periphery as a center, you know, so they are center of the happening. First year we invited a lot of like our friends, wider community, you know, coming from the city center. We even organized bus 71. We together with the public transport agency got, you know, for free. We had, you know, like the bus is waiting for you at that time. You can travel then. We had a guided tour for, you know, everyone, you know, it was actually like Uh, guided fantasy in a way where we we use this format a lot, you know, imagine, imagine, you know, a flat land, you know, where only the wind, you know, whispered and then, you know, a school was built and then um, a health center was built and then a small market was built and a lot of houses and people came and then we started going, we created a song because for us in the first year, it was like, we are building the school 
because the school is building us, celebrating the goods in life, the goods we have experienced together, what we created. So we go through the street and, you know, and it's loud, it's like these drums, uh, balloons, everything. And then neighbors come out, some start waving and some join us. And then we walk the whole neighborhood and come back to the schoolyard. And over there, it's like this, you know, moment of clapping each name, you know, that participated, you know, giving the diploma, giving a book, mm -hmm. because book is also so important. And, and how, because uh, I hear the word playscape. Can you please, because to me it's a new word, can you please explain what it is? Playscape is any place where play happens, I would say. You know, it's not a playground. Why we specifically choose, you know, to work with this term of playscape in the replay project, but also outside of this, is because we want to work on the topic of what the state of play is, because play is being in a way stigmatized regarding you know what age group you are but also standardized and also really controlled you know and playground is an image of all of this that i have said so what uh, we are trying to create is like uh, spaces you know escapes you know that can become that can support play you know the playfulness not just in children but also in adults you know because it's really like for kids is super important for their development, you know, to have this space where they can play, you know, where they can explore themselves, where they can create, you know, but also for them to be able to continue doing this because, you know, playground as such, you know, it's until you're 12, at least here, you know, but after that, you know, play, I don't know where, you know, and what play is. So the public space of playground is actually not so flexible and we see playscape as a term more flexible and just mm -hmm. also like it's good to confuse people I of think. course <laughs> yes 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 and <laughs> it gets them it, interested confusion brings questions yeah. and yeah questions brings discussion I, I i hope and exploration and i think it's uh, it's interesting to also question the meaning of play does it have to be defined and we, or we can imagine play because uh, what we have now, playgrounds, really define uh, define our bodies. So, like, uh, we either uh, run or there are nets, so we climb. So it's very the, the play is very defined yes. somehow, yeah. and the playscapes actually invites uh, invites us to explore what play can be. Because in this case, play was resting. So we're imagining that we can just lie we need just to lie on ground and look at the sky and this is a kind of uh, play to imagine places so i think uh, this is kind of through the space we try to reimagine and to to really invite people who are playing to invent new games to invent play and to by playing as miriana said to create uh, spaces for play by playing. Of course, just by starting to play somewhere yes. that is not a predefined playground. Mm -hmm. So uh, what did the children come up with? I can tell you a bit more about it because what we used just to spark this play by playing was three words, imagine, I dream of, and I remember. But then, you know, as Maya's already mentioned, we split into some groups, actually three groups, and then each facilitator of the group started doing in their own with the kids. And we can say because Maya and myself were working together with a high uh, dreamers flyers. That's the name they gave to themselves. And this name actually is, I think, they gave it. And this is what triggered them, okay, because they were high dreamers and flyers. You know, and it was like, okay, so what do we need for dreaming, you know? And they were like, okay, uh, that's how it started. And then we were like, okay, we need a good, comfortable space. So we were going around the schoolyard and then laying down. And then some kids even fell asleep in this testing yeah. of where do we feel comfortable to yes. dream? And we were like, what do you... <laughs> and to fly. And then they would lie down and then we asked, so how, well, how do you feel here? Like, do you like this place? And we were like, no, it's too noisy. There's no shade. So they were exploring those places and finally they found one which was suitable for them and we tried to actually create those places just by working with materials not like not, not planning in advance but like bringing no, materials in situ. And, it was really yeah. in situ so they choose this group ended up 
in a really like sort of intimate space because it was like mm. three pine trees, you know, that is like distance of this triangle that they form. It was like one and a half meter, you know, of each side. And this is where, okay, we like this. We don't want to explore more the yard. That's fine. And then it was like, okay, turning around. Of course, there is always a lot of garbage, you know, natural garbage, let's say, and artificial. Artificial, we always clean, you know, because we want the place where we work on to be clean. And then they're starting, you know, what was interesting. So they wanted a place where they can dream, where it's comfortable, maybe to sleep. And suddenly they start creating noise. Because we have our toolbox, with, which has a lot of different props inside of it. So they use them and they're, they're starting, you know, creating noise. And then taking pine cones. And it was like Mia was coming to us, listen to this, you know, in between two pine cones. And then the school fence is there. Someone took a branch and it was like, you know, it was dinging. So it was really interesting because this group ended up like when we now look at it and reflect it became kind of didactic and a sensoric exploration. Their whole point was about that, you know. It was about, they created the instrument. So they had a place, you know, where you can lay down in between these three trees. And then they put some ropes. And on the ropes, they put this thin colored paper. And then uh, they were so nice, you know. One kid would come and place, you know, orange and then purple and then yellow and then green. And then another kid comes, lays down, look at this construction above, you know. And it was like... Oh, this, you know, color is how they combine. It's not so good. Let's turn it like this. And so they were like changing until, you know, they felt comfortable. And then, you know, they were like, in a way, searching for a comfortable, cozy space to rest, sleep and dream. But on the other hand, they had this need to make noise and to explore sound, you know, and tactility of the space. Yes, it was very just, just to, uh, for our listeners they can't see what I'm doing, but Maya showing me some videos and pictures. Can we add them to the episode? Oh, can you send them to me? Yes, of course. It's working, uh, working with what is present, not imposing uh, topics or it has to be joyful or it has to be calm. Just like working with the energy they bring. So I think this is this is like one of the principle of work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If we are sad. It's not that it is okay that we are sad, but it is important that we acknowledge it. If some kid comes, you know, being, you know, maybe sad because it was bullied, you know, by other kid or something like, we don't be like, okay, you, you know, you don't matter, you know, okay, what's wrong? Like, how can we help, you know, yes. or what do you need? Okay, let's sit down. Okay, you don't feel in the mood, you know. Yeah. So to appreciate a spectrum of emotions. And this is what happened here because we had emotions like this, you know, being really like protected and shy, but also of destruction. This was a big topic that it happened was, in love. Yeah, this wilderness, I would say. This yeah. because uh, yeah, uh, wilderness I, is nicer. Yes, wilderness is nicer because I, I I cannot say it was destructive. No, no, no. I will yeah, right. I will show you the video. It was just like expression of strong. It was loud, and there were a lot of movements. So, and I think this is really important for kids. Uh, for me, it is also risky. It was the first time that I worked with kids, as I say. And I was like, wow, where is the boundary? Like, what's the limit? Like, how do we work with this? They had sticks and they, they were hitting the, the fence, you know, the fence but like, uh, like they perform like the fence was one big instrument. Mm -hmm. And I think art can give us this to, to really express what is present, but in a very creative and constructive way. And it's not always uh, playing a harp, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not always calm and it's not always uh, beautiful. But I, I have to say, like, I found real beauty in this, uh, in this wilderness. Yes. And I think it's also the question, how do we deal with our wilderness? And I think this is really, it can provoke us as facilitators. How do we, yeah. how do we learning, face? you know, because yeah. what we have said, you know, after you're 12, somehow, you know, it's just the society, you know, you're not playing, you know, and then you become more stiff. Of course, there's grown-ups that have this playfulness, you know, kept in them, you know, or like are trying, you know, to keep it, you know, are going to the playgrounds after midnight. No, it's not me going there. <laughs> Maybe sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> not her. But for me, it's a beautiful opportunity, like to explore that, like, wow, I can just So why, why do we ever stop playing? Yes. And yeah. to, to, to join them in play, not to... Uh, 
oversee if nothing yeah. goes oversee wrong. that everything yeah. is well that they yes. don't break something no and themselves <laughs> mm. and this was what we witnessed of course you know parents being surprised because there is also some play elements that are already in the schoolyard and uh, Uh, classical playground parts you know and then we went with the kids and we were like exploring this point also like not only these that we mentioned but also that one okay this is existing play structure Mm -hmm. how do you see it how do you feel it and then we discovered you know that they invented some new games over there they play a parkour they use it like that so this is really interesting you know and this is what parents don't see as safe you know but that's what kids do they like to jump because it has a really interesting also climber actually quite beautiful and they love to climb this because the best view is on top of it you know even though this is quite flat land where the neighborhood is positioned like this beauty of lifting yourself above the ground two meters and it really is important like a house on the tree but these are some things that are not allowed to kids like this element that exists in Ladine it only exists because it's in Ladine because it's not uh, so controlled, you know, by formal mm-hmm. systems. Yeah. This, in not just in Serbia, in other countries, unfortunately, is being removed because the laws, yeah. no one wants to take the responsibility if someone falls and breaks yes. the leg. I would also acknowledge that it's a challenge to find this balance between risk and security. It's not an easy task. No, no. So it's always like questioning and working together. And for me, it's also important to feel safe with decisions. And we have two colleagues who work in kindergarten and I feel more secure because I know they have a lot of experience with children. Otherwise, I would doubt my decisions. And especially with responsibility and risk, because working with that age group, with toddlers, it's like the eyes are all on you, you know. Yeah, so it's those differences in our team are for me are really important. Um, yeah, touching on a question I wanted to ask but didn't come around yet. Uh, our projects, ITPD, is all about teacher-artist partnership. And you have many backgrounds, people working in kindergarten, artists, architects, philosophy. How are the teachers in the school of Ledina involved? Are they involved? Well, I, I can talk now about this project, School Art City. Yes. And uh, I, it's beautiful. Yes. And we just had the first activity with children mm-hmm. and it went really well. We wanted really to start it slowly with really building cooperation among Škograd people with artists and teacher. So we have uh, two teachers uh, involved from, from school from the school mm-hmm. and we are discussing together with them what what is situation in the classroom uh, what are the topics uh, what they would like to work on uh, how do they feel about this uh, artistic intervention so working with uh, with teacher and artist for me is really uh, reshaping the architecture of education so how we can uh, really work with this creative process and how we can support teachers uh, feeling more free to explore art as, uh, as methodology. And we work with a wonderful teacher and Adriana, and they're really open to the project. And these activities you do in school time? Yes, yes, yes. yes. It is important that they take place in school time. Yes. And uh, the last uh, was during the history class and the visual art class. So it's it's beautiful that actually like uh, it's part of curriculum. Curriculum. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I I stopped because it's uh, we're trying to see how it can be part of curriculum because we didn't really work on the topic that were predicted for that class. So I think the question of curriculum and the fact that we have national curriculum and then that there is no real, I mean, on the state level, there is no real flexibility how you work with with different topics. So this is, I think this is challenge for art education because it takes more time for the process to start and to develop. Mm -hmm. But uh, we try to explore how this can work more with curriculum, but not only curriculum, but with the topics that regular curriculum does not address, such as social cohesion, segregation in the class. Uh, Some of children, we work with five graders. Some of them, uh, the teachers said, they still didn't know how to write. So how we actually work with art to create different opportunities for expression 
for visual expression, but also we will try to work more with movement and drawing to see how this can reconfigure. We are working with two teachers, with two classes, but also what the kids and teachers and artists are now working on is how they will include all the kids of the school mm. to participate in the process. This is what I was talking with Yelena. You know what happened? One of the girls, Aphrodita, another kid, you know, while the, this workshop was happening in this class, they were hanging on the window because they wanted to participate, you know? It was like, but no, no, it's fine, you know, we are just watching, you know? But it was like, okay, kid, you're hanging from the window, you know, it hurts your body a bit after some time. And this is, I think, what triggers, and it's important, you know, it for us, it really feels bad in a way that you exclude someone, as we have talked, you know, in summer school, everyone can participate. But when you enter, you know, the school, mm -hmm. of course, you know, it's not because nobody wants, but it's different dynamics and everything. So I really love this fact that these kids, you know, that work specifically, you know, together with the teacher and artist will try to find together way how they will get some inputs. And but I think we are really lucky that we have like amazing teachers and amazing artists, Nebusha and Natalia, who already work with with children. Mm -hmm. They already know about art education. They have like years of experience in working with Roma children. And what I really appreciate, and I will repeat this, I think it's really important that the process is long. This is the first time that Gorgred actually comes to the classes. And I think it will bring the, another, another dynamic. And now we are going straight to the, the class. In yeah, the school, perfect. straight to the class. So it's interesting yeah. what it will bring. And how Let's much, see. because you wanted the process to be long, can you give an example of what you think is enough time? Well, we will work until June. So it's so, a whole school year? Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, one hour a week? Uh, no, we will, we will start with uh, once in two weeks or mm -hmm. one, and then we will, in the springtime, we will, the process will be more intense. Okay. Cool. And more, um, let's say, tactile working with materials, I guess. Let's see. Let's I see, know. yeah. Let's see. It's, I think it's really important to see, and I see it, it's very challenging because we always want to bring our ideas. But I think it's really important to listen to the process of creation and not to have the final result on your mind. Like, okay. I know, like, we will create a big mural in front of, I don't know, wherever. So it's like how, how you, I think there is a lot of waiting mm -hmm. and suspension of your ideas in art education. Not just in art education, I think in everything, at least that we do. So even in replay and in School Art City project, you know, it's working with kids, not for kids. Yeah. And this is something, you know, in Shkogra that is one of our principles, you know, but it's not easy to live by it, you know, but it is something that we are going towards to because, you know, kids bring out creativity from you, but then you somehow need to, you know, control yourself, not mm. to impose your grown up idea. Even to let them fail, they won't fail, never, you know, but you need to learn to fail and to let it happen. Yeah, but yeah. to let them uh, express themselves fully. But it's uh, sometimes it's like, oh, this would be much more beautiful if we only do this, you know, and then you want to impose an idea. But it's like really how to not to restrict, but like suspension of. Yeah of ideas somehow. We, we, are, we are always saying we are guiding children through their creative process with mm -hmm. our hands on our back tied, mm -hmm. like figuratively, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just keep yourself to yourself and, and let them give what they have. Yeah. yeah. After all the stories you told me, I have, I think it's the last question. Well, second to last, I have to say. What is it that you think you are bringing to these children? I would say really that it empowers them. As I told you, like they had this uh, proactivity that they reach us and say, we want to make a movie and we know how to do it. And this is what we want to do. So this is a result of four years because some of those kids are part of this process because in the first year, some of them were shy. Some were there of them, you know, were not so expressive with their bodies. Now they are, you know, showing us what they want, what they know. So I think what is bringing to them is first that they are important and also that they are trusted. Mm. What I think is important is when we hold these golden moments of childhood. 
So I try, I hope that this plane exploring their creativity and talent and being with each other and creating together can be a kind of a golden moment. And it's very difficult. I think nowadays we constantly want to measure competences and to follow PISA and PIAC and to see what is the effect of uh, what we do, but according to standards mm. that are prescribed. Yes. What I think is uh, important is uh, they can discover talents and I think different ways of knowing are also acknowledged. So not only to be verbal or to have good numeric skills, mm -hmm. but I think it is important to acknowledge different ways of knowing. It sounds like what you just said, like first they are shy, then they just own their space. They demand, give me that camera, I'm going to make mm -hmm. a movie. That's exactly, I think, what you're saying. Like, instead of being shy and waiting, they know that they have a place in the world mm -hmm. and they have something to say and that it's valuable what they want to say. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. And they're in the spotlight, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I would now, after hearing you say, what they are getting from this process is also to embrace their differences because they really have different abilities. Like what we said, some have different abilities of speech, you know, because of these situations that happen in their life, but also differences of religion. And again, an example from first summer school, we organize it and we don't know, like, at that point it's going to be Bayram and that the kids... Bayram? Is it like it's Ramadan? Celebration. Ramadan. Yes. I, yes. Yeah, is it? Yes. So, yes. And then we had a lot of different kids in this first summer school. And then, you know, some conflict arose in between different kids, you know, but it was more kids conflict. And then this happened and then we were like, okay, we don't know. Like, even we didn't know a lot about it the grown-ups, let's say. So we were like, okay, what is Bayram, you know, explain it to us. It's in your religion, why it's important, what it means to you, you know. And for other kids, you know, who are in Orthodox, let's say, religion, they were like confused, like we are talking about this and everything. And then what happened, you know, that the conflict that emerged, not uh, it was not a conflict about the religion, but it was in between the kids, but they were of different, you know, yes. religions. But they settle it down and what was beautiful the next day everyone was congratulating Bayram you know which they didn't do before you know it was not acknowledged you know because we told you like before it was but then this segregation you know, that happens in between you know grown-ups or I don't know the society in, in, a, in a whole and this year we were invited to one family to Bayram and all the kids wanted that we go to their houses and I think, but this is one of the differences, you know, the religion, as I told you, one difference is the language. Second, third difference is maybe some kids that came from Kosovo, you know, and then being bullied, but now not being bullied because they're part of Shkograd. It was interesting that at one point they had a fight and one girl that came for the first time said to a girl who was there three times, let's say, like, you are out of Shkograd. And then she was crying and I was talking to her just to realize what's happening. And she told me this and I was like, no, like you can only enter Shkograd and that's it. <laughs> and it sounds like the song of Hotel California. Yes, you can scary. check in, but you can never leave. But just to let <laughs> you know you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was not like that creepy, let's say. It was more like uh, you can decide to leave. Yeah, that, that's okay. the only. You decide to enter, you decide to leave. And what we try to teach them is that, you know, because, but this is classical, I think, childhood bullying in this age. You know, I, I remember that being happening to me. And I was like, so like, okay, what to do, what to do? And I was like, okay. And this is what Maya was talking in the beginning about the Shkograd as itself. Is it five or 10 or 50 of us, you know, someone enters, you know, into some of the processes that are happening, uh, contributes in a part and then goes, you know, and continues with something else. But it's not something that produces, let's say, frustration in a team, at least not to me, because I'm appreciative of this, you know, that we are able to do that, you know, it's better than nothing, you know, but not better than nothing. It's important to have this freedom to develop spaces for this kind of freedom of participation, you know, because in the world in general, it's like either you are in or you are out, you know, why? And if you're in, you have to be fully there yeah. and fully committed. Maybe you then... don't have capacity to be yeah. fully, you know, but yes. at other moment you have it. And this is what we are nurturing in Shkogled team, you know, but also nurturing in the 
when we go to the field, you know, working with the kids, you know, it's okay that you have a bad day. It's okay that you don't know yes. how to write. Do you want me to write it for you? Do you want me that I hold your hand, that we write it together, you know? Like, what do you feel? What do you need? Exactly. Just staying curious as a facilitator and guiding the children in whatever they ask of you. Yeah. yeah. And let them guide us like this year. They did a lot, you know, with the sea, you know, and everything. You, you were just sitting back. Yeah. Well, not <laughs> that. We no, were like, I'm okay, kidding. where is this going? You know, okay, sleep, sleep. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. It's unlearning yeah. process for us also. Mm, beautiful. So that brings me to the last question. Is there anything you feel that we haven't talked about yet that you think is important for the listeners to know? Or here? I think we talked a lot. <laughs> and I hope that they can have a picture of all of our, let's say, a bit schizophrenic, you know, because there is a lot, you know, in terms that we use, in naming, how we name things, in the activities that we do. But yeah, we will share things with you and Sweet. then you can use them. I hope bring a, a wider picture of what we were talking. But if anyone seizes our logo, which is like this line that intervenes itself and everything, like I think this talk is Shkogran <laughs> because it's always, you know, coming from different sides, you know, coming into different topics, conversations, exiting in a better or yes. not better way. So, yeah. Well, then I'd like to uh, thank you for your time and your enthusiasm. Um, the passion is flowing through the table, over the table, I have to say. It's fantastic to see. We will share whatever you will send us with our listeners. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so thank much you. for inviting and us. Yes, yes, and I really enjoyed the conversation. And I, I really like the question when they really make me think like, mm-hmm, let's think about this. So <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful experience to talk okay. with you. Thank you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping Into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this interview. If you liked what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review, and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Tapping Into Creativity is part of ITAPPD, which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership, professional development. We are currently building a model and training about partnership between teachers and artists in education. ITAPPD facilitates a place and time where we can jointly develop our understanding, expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behavior, development and language. If you want to know more about our project, please visit us on any social platform as i-tap-pd. This podcast was made possible by funding from the Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITAPPD are The Education Center in Tralee Center za Dramu u Edukaciji i Umetnosti, CEDEUM Panelinio Dictio ja to Theatro Stine Pedes Stichting Copa, Kunsteducatie We were your hosts, Linda and Manja, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yelda Shahidi. Hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day.